Wildwood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. We're glad that you're here today. And if you would, please take out your Bibles and turn in them to the book of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament and chapter number 10. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one under a chair in front of you, and you could grab that Bible and turn in the back portion of it to page 135, and you would be at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You know, we have a number of our college students back, and many of you are aware that our college pastor, Jeremy Horton, and his wife, Michelle, are expecting a child. In fact, Michelle, there's Jeremy right there. He's excited. And Michelle is eight months pregnant right now. And uh, recently, uh, Jeremy was telling me about the Lamaze class that he and Michelle have been going to. And... Um, the things that you learn at that, and that reminded me of when Janet and I went to Lama's class. And part of what you learn when you go there is the principle of focal point. The idea is that you learn in the delivery room that you are to pick out, and it's not so much the husband as the wife who does this because she does the work, but you pick out a, a focal point and you focus on that. And that becomes an aid to you as you are going through your breathing there in the delivery room, as you go through the ups and the downs of the delivery room, and as you work through the pain of the delivery room, you focus on that focal point. Well, in a very similar way, in the Christian life, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to have a focal point. As we are breathing on a daily basis as we go through the ups and the downs of life and as we have to work through pain in our life from time to time, it's important that we have the proper focal point, the proper supreme objective, the proper ultimate goal, the proper master purpose. That is to be the focal point of our Christian life. We were created for that and we find our deepest fulfillment when we have that focal point in our life. And we see that focal point laid out for us in the book of 1 Corinthians and the chapter number 10 and verse number 31. We've already looked at this in previous weeks, but he says here, whatever then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That is to be our focal point in our Christian life, that we give glory to God. And we have summarized it in a way that we can remember it this way. My aim, His honor. He, not me. That is what is the master purpose of the Christian life. And we've been looking at this little short series we have entitled The Ultimate Fulfilling Focus of Life. And we've been looking at three things. The first thing we looked at was the comprehensive principle. And we noted that all of creation, all of the universe is designed to give glory to God. It is a comprehensive truth. And then secondly, we looked at some clarification last week about all of this to point out that we don't add to God's glory. Rather, we point to God's glory. We are to enhance the glory of God in the eyes of men and women and young people. 
And we saw last time the driving motivation behind this. It's found in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. You can go over there, if you would, to verses 19 and 20. This is what motivates us to want to give glory and honor to God. In verse 19, we saw, he says, that we are not our own. We're not our own times two. He is our creator. He made us. Therefore, we should glorify and honor Him. But also, He is our Savior. He rescued us. He says there, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. His blood was shed for us. So therefore, we're not our own. He is our Creator and He is our Savior. We have as our focal point to glorify and honor Him. And believers over the centuries have understood this. I want to read to you a part of the Heidelberg Catechism. This was written in 1563. So there were generations who went before us who tried to put this into words to summarize this. And this is what this part of the Heidelberg Catechism says. I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and he has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. And then... Goes on to say this, because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Summary of all of that, my aim, his honor, he, not me. Now the third thing we said we were going to look at look at was some specifics of this. How are we to do this? How are we to honor God? How are we to glorify God? And by the way, we could do a whole series of messages on that, just how we are to glorify Him. But what I want to do today is look at a fast four ways that we can honor and glorify God. How do we honor and glorify Him? Well, the first way that we can do that is by spreading the message of salvation, by spreading the message of salvation. Look at the second letter to the Corinthians and chapter number 4, and I want you to see there verse 15. Now he's been talking about, Paul is, about how he was called to deliver the message of salvation, and there needs to be response of faith to that. But I want you to notice verse 15 of chapter 4. He says, For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people, he's talking about the gospel message of salvation, may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. As this message of grace goes out further and further, God will be glorified and honored. I like the way the New Living Translation translates this verse. It says this, As God's grace brings more and more people to Christ, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. 
See, here's what happens when, when, when someone trusts in Jesus Christ as their rescuer from sin and judgment, glory and honor goes to God from multiple angles, multiple angles. For example, the recipient of this grace will give glory and honor to God. In Ephesians 1, 5, and 6, Paul talks about how God predestined us as adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to the praise of the glory of His grace. When you embrace the person of Christ in your life, you give thanks and glory and honor back to God. And that's what happens when the message of salvation is spread. It comes from the angle of the recipient. It comes from the angle of other witnesses to what God is doing. Turn with me to the left in your Bible to the book of Acts in chapter number 11. Acts chapter 11. And as we get there, I will just tell you that the context of all of this is that Peter is coming to the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem, and he is reporting what happened in chapter 10 of Acts when for the very first time Gentiles came into the church. And if you look at Acts chapter 11, let's just start, start with verse 17. We'll back up a little bit there. It says, If God therefore gave to them the same gift that he gave to us after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And notice what happens in verse 18. When they heard this, they quieted down, and what happened? They glorified God saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. You see, when, when the message of salvation is spread, from multiple angles, God gets glory and he gets honor. He gets it from the recipient, he gets it from other witnesses. You could jot down Acts 21, verses 19 and 20. In, in that chapter, you have Paul, again, coming to Jerusalem, and it says that he greeted them there, and he began to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through Paul's ministry. And what does it say next? It says this, and when they heard it, they began glorifying God. See, when the message of salvation is spread from multiple angles, God gets glory and honor. It comes from the recipient. It comes from others who witness that, and it even comes from the angelic realm itself, because in Luke 15, Jesus tells us there is joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And so as the message of salvation is spread, God gets glory and honor, and it comes to him from multiple angles. And by the way, friends, that is why, ultimately, we want to be involved in spreading the message of salvation. Now, now, not only should we want to spread the message of salvation so that people could understand what it means to be forgiven, and to be forgiven is the most wonderful thing in all of the world, and that's a motivation for wanting to share the message of Jesus Christ with people. And we do want people to be delivered from eternal death. I mean, this life is hard, but it's nothing like what would come in eternity is a lifetime without Christ. We want God to be honored and glorified. That's really why we're motivated ultimately to be involved in spreading the message of salvation. See, it's my aim 
his honor. That's why I get involved in spreading the message of salvation. So one way that we can do that, glorify and honor God, is by spreading the message of salvation. Here's another way we can do it. By engaging in good deeds. By engaging in good deeds. When Jesus was talking to the disciples and he was in the upper room with them just before he was getting ready to go and face all of the events of the cross, he made this statement to them in John 15, 8. He said, by this, listen to this statement, by this is my Father glorified that you as my followers bear much fruit. And one of the key ways that we can be fruitful as a follower of Jesus is by engaging in good deeds. Turn with me deeper to the right end of your New Testament to the book of Titus. You have First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, and then you have the book of Titus. And I want you to see what Paul communicates by the Holy Spirit to Titus, who is to communicate this to the church. And this has to do with how we can glorify and honor God and be fruitful by engaging in good deeds. Notice chapter 3, verse 14. He says, our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And one of the key ways to be fruitful is by engaging in good deeds. You see, we don't engage in good deeds to earn salvation. No, we engage in good deeds because we have received salvation as a free gift from God. It's not something that we do in order to get something from God. It's something we do because of what God has given to us. We glorify and honor him by engaging in good deeds. It's reflected in a verse that we use as part of our, our theme and part of our mission statement here at Wildwood in Matthew 5.16, where very, very clearly it is communicated that we are to let our light shine in such a way that, what does it say next? Let your light shine in such a way that, someone tell me, what does it say? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, one of the key ways that we can glorify and honor Him is by engaging in good deeds. And part of, part of engaging in a good deed has to do with what we do with our money. And do we invest our money in the kingdom? I want you to turn with me. You have to go back to the left now to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I want to just show you how this works. Part of engaging in good deeds involves what we do with our money. And in, in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 are all about investing in the kingdom and all about giving gifts to meet needs. And I want you to notice what it says in chapter 9 and, and verse 13. He says, because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God 
for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. When we talk about engaging in good deeds, part of that has to do with what we're doing with our money. And I've shared this many times, and I'm going to continue to share this. But every month when I get a paycheck from Wildwood, before I do anything with it, I am on my knees. And I'm thankful to God for you. Because part of your gifts go to make up that check that I get. And so as I get down on my knees, I'm thankful to the people of Wildwood that they are involved in engaging in good deeds by investing part of their money. But ultimately, I'm not just bragging on you, I'm honoring God. I'm saying to God, thank you, God, that you have moved in the hearts of your people and they are investing to make a difference in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Part of engaging in good deeds involves what we do with our money. And by the way, if you have ever been the recipient of money from the people of God, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been in a, a situation of dire need and you didn't know what to do and you were just at the end of your rope and some people gave some funds to help you, you know what I'm talking about. You're not only thankful to them, but you give honor to God. My, that's amazing, Lord that the people of God have given to help meet my need. Or if you've ever been involved in going on a missions trip and you had to raise some money in order to do that and you know that, that God motivates his people and they give and you just are so grateful. You, you're thankful for the people but you're really not there to honor them. You're thankful for the God who's behind all of that and you give him great praise and honor because he motivated them to give. You know, we just got back again from a trip to, to Latvia where we were visiting again Latvian Christian Radio, and some of you are new and don't know that we've been very intimately involved in that country in starting Latvian Christian Radio, which is now perhaps the leading Christian radio station in Europe. And uh, we were back there again, and we're meeting with the staff of the station, some of whom are younger. In fact, they'd never actually even met me before. And uh, Thomas Talbergs, who's the president there and our friend, and he said this to me whether he comes and visits here or ever I go over there. He makes the statement all the time, and he told all of his staff who hadn't heard it before. He said, Wildwood Community Church is the only church in the world who regularly supports the ministry of Latvian Christian Radio. So that the message of Christ and the message of the Word of God is going out multiple times every week from that place. Now, he said that, but you know what? My basic response wasn't, oh, aren't we wonderful? My basic response is just to point up to heaven. This is God at work. God blessed us with some resources. God has led us into this connection with this ministry. He deserves the honor. He deserves the glory. My aim, his honor, he, not me. How do we glorify and honor God in a practical way? Well, we can do that by spreading the message of salvation. We can do that by engaging in good deeds. There's a third way that we can do that, and that is by expressing gratitude to God. In Psalm 82, David said this, I will give thanks and glorify your name. And then in Psalm 50, 
verse 23, God himself says this. I love this. He who offers thanks honors me. No, I, I don't know what all's happened in your life this week. I don't know what all you've experienced, but I know myself. I suspicion you're very similar to me. And that is, it is so easy to be a whiner. It's just so easy to be a whiner, a complainer, to be ungrateful. In fact, I suspicion if you know, like a camera would follow us around and would really record how many times we were a whiner this last week, we'd all be a little embarrassed if there was a scoreboard up there because it's so easy to be that way. But one way that we glorify and honor God is by expressing gratitude. If you've been around for a little while, you know that we have a guy by the name of David Brown who... Uh, used to be part of Wildwood and left to go on staff with the Navigators in Colorado Springs to be a counselor, staff counselor with them, and he's had a bicycle accident and currently lies paralyzed in on a ventilator. And we had three men who went and visited just this week, at the end of the week, to see how they were doing. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you expressed gratitude to God that you could walk? Just walk. When's the last time you even expressed gratitude to God that you have the physical ability to talk? To string words together. Right now, David can't walk. In fact, David can't even string one clear word together out of his mouth. We pray that that will change over time. It's just so easy to be a whiner. And why is it, it seems like you have to have something like that happen then to just suddenly heighten your gratitude for the fact that you can even walk and that you can even talk. You know, I remember if you've, if you've had significant surgery, or I can remember when I, I couldn't traverse a pair of stairs. I, I couldn't get up them. Just exciting to be able to climb stairs. It's something to be grateful for. Now, I don't know what may happen with David in this life. We, we hope and pray that he recovers and he has the ability to talk and, and potentially even the ability to walk again. But one thing I know about David, no matter what happens, he has a future and a hope. No matter how it turns out, David is going to speak again and he is going to walk again because God has promised to him a resurrection body. One of the ways, one of the ways that we glorify God is by expressing gratitude. My aim, his honor, he, not me. Now, we're talking about practical ways that we can do this. The first is by spreading the message of salvation. The second is by being engaged in good deeds. The third one is by expressing gratitude. Here's the fourth one, and you might put a, a triple star by this one. We can glorify and honor God by blank. 
just fill in the blank. Remember, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you do, that's a big blank. Glorify God. And by the way, if you go back and look at that verse, you'll say that, you notice it says this. It says, whether you eat or drink. You know, eating and drinking really are, are relatively mundane things. We like to enjoy them. But, you know, just drinking a glass of water, yeah, a relatively mundane thing in life. We don't get super excited about such a thing. But it says, whether you eat or drink, including even mundane things, whatever you do, glorify God. Now, I want you to know that we have a tendency to do something. And by the way, it's been a tendency of the believing community for multiple centuries, and there's been things written about it in the past. But we have this tendency to compartmentalize the Christian life. This is the way it works. We have two little compartments. We have what's called the sacred compartment, and then we have what's called the mundane. See, the sacred thing is what happens at church or during my devotional time. The mundane thing is what happens when I go to work or I go to school. The sacred part happens like on a Sunday or in a small group night. The mundane thing is what goes on during the week. See, the sacred compartment is when I teach Sunday school or I lead a Bible study. The mundane part is when I clean the house or, or mow the lawn. Do you know, I have never been a fan of yard work. I never have, and I'm not quite sure where it came from. I think it goes back to when I was a young man. And, you know, we would come to Saturday, and uh, I had plans of things I wanted to do. On Saturday, I wanted to play football with the guys, or we wanted to play basketball, or whatever. I wanted to do these things on Saturday. And my dad would come to me, and he says, you're going to mow and trim the lawn. And by the way, in those days, we did not have string trimmers at all. You know what we had? We had those little chick, 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 sort of glorified scissors in your hand. And that's the way you had to trim things. You not only mow the lawn, but it was chick, 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 all around the edge and all around the trees and everything. And I'll tell you, you just do not, I, when my father would, would say you've got to mow the lawn and you've got to trim the lawn, chick, chick, chick. you know, I'm just thinking to myself, I don't want to do this, I don't like to do this. And to me, in my way of thinking, it had virtually no connection with the spiritual life as a young believer. None. I saw no connection. In fact, the only way to me it could have any kind of fulfillment or fun to it was when I could try to figure out different ways to cut the yard. You know, you'd go this angle diagonal, or you'd go this way, or then maybe you'd switch it and go that way, or I'd just try bobbing and weaving through the yard. You know, that seemed to be the only way I could get any significance out of... Like, I can remember thinking, why does this stuff keep growing every week? Why does this happen? It just makes no sense to me. 
But here's what was happening. I was missing something very vital. See, there's no compartments with God. No compartments with him. There is no mundane with him. We glorify God by fill in the blank. Whatever you do, even if it's mundane things. And by the way, I am still, to this very day, not a fan of the yard work thing. And I still struggle with it. I do. I still struggle with it. But when I adjust my focal point, it lifts my spirit. It just changes things. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. If you mark in your Bible, that's a word you want to underline. A-L-L. Do all to the glory of God. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, for years had a sign over her kitchen sink, right over her kitchen sink. It said this, divine services held here three times a day. Whatever you do, including the mundane, do all to the glory of God. And even washing dishes can be an act of worship if you have the right focal point when you do it. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. When you take out the garbage, when you drive to work or to school, when you have to dust, when you need to meet with your employees, when you have to do the laundry or iron. And by the way, with my wife, she dislikes ironing as much as I really dislike the yard work thing. When you have to do things on your spouse's to-do list, when you do your homework, when you do your income tax, when you have to go buy your groceries, when you have to change diapers, when you have to teach and do teach Sunday school, when you run the soundboard in the back, when you clean your room, when you are called to share with your brother or your sister, when you mow the lawn, when you clean the toilets. This is about as practical as it can get. You know, I remember when I had a job of, of cleaning communal toilets in an apartment building. You understand what I'm talking about. These are toilets that were shared by multiple people. No one single person's toilet. A bunch of people used it. You know what happens? I've noticed this in life in general. When no one's really responsible for something, wow. And so I, I had to clean these toilets. You know, that's one of the best jobs I ever had in my life. And if I had the power to rewind my life and delete that out, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't. One of the best jobs I ever had. Let's tell you, that's a job that'll teach you humility. It will. Trust me. And everything is up from there, by the way. 
But even having to clean communal toilets, you can have a whole different attitude if your focal point is my aim, his honor. You see, this involves every aspect of our lives, men and women. It involves our words. It involves our actions. It involves what we wear. Whatever you do, I want to honor him. It involves where we go. It involves what we watch. It has ripple effects into every area of our life. My aim, his honor, he, not me. One time a number of years ago when I was teaching this principle, I had a guy come up to me afterwards and he said, I, I, I have a little bit of a problem. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I want you to know something. He said, I tried to do this. He said, I tried to do my job to the glory of God and I neglected my family. It doesn't work. And I remember saying to him, brother, brother, let's go back and look at what it says. What does it say there? It says, do all to the glory of God. That is to be our focal point and our mindset. You do that at your job, but you do all with that mindset. You have certain husband responsibilities. We are to be a husband to the glory of God. You have certain father responsibilities. We are to be a father to the glory of God. It's not just thinking about one thing. It's just the mindset of the way that we are to live our entire life. My aim, his honor, he, not me. Now, as we get ready to close, I want to talk about some life response that we can have to all of this. Some ways that we can begin to see some change as we walk away into our week this week. And here's the first thing I want to suggest, is that we reorder our thinking. That we reorder our thinking. If you want to just do one thing, it would be to decompartmentalize in your life. Don't think of the, the sacred and the mundane and there's two categories and no. Get rid of the mundane. Approach the mundane with a new perspective. And that perspective is whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. My aim, his honor, no matter what it may be. So let's reorder our thinking a little bit. Let's shake it up. The second life response I think we can have is this, to do an inventory. We've talked about some practical ways, and there's not all of them, there's just some of them, that we can give glory and honor to God. And let's just do a little personal inventory. How about spreading the message of salvation? That's one way that we're involved in glorifying and honoring God. Would that be descriptive of you? Are you involved in that process? And one thing I would suggest that you do this week in order to be engaged in the process of spreading the message of salvation is to tell just one person your story. 
How about that as a minimum goal this week? Just tell one person your story. And you're going, oh, no, that's, 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 I, I can't really do that. It's just, just oh, I don't know even how to get started. I'm not quite sure how you, how would you do, you know, I, I don't know what to do when you say that. All you have to do is this. Ask someone, have I told you the story of my spiritual journey with God? Now, you're not going to ask that to somebody who you know is going to give you a yes. So you just say, have I told you about my spiritual journey with God? And then when they say no, you just say, may I? That's just the way to get started. You have a story to tell. Tell your story. Be involved in spreading the message of salvation. Do an inventory of the things we've been talking about. How about engaging in good deeds Is that descriptive of your life, that you get involved in doing good deeds to meet pressing needs? Well, a good way to get started in that would be just to do one good deed to meet a pressing need this week without announcing that you're going to do it. Just keep your eyes open for it, asking God to show you a need, and then you just do it with just one person even this week or one deed. How about the area of expressing gratitude? When's the last time God heard from your heart that you were grateful? It can start with just being grateful that you can walk, you can talk, but if you're unsure really what to be grateful for, I may just say, why don't you let your your eyes go to this cross over here and let him know again how much you appreciate he taking your penalty upon himself. Or just begin to enumerate, enumerate the incredible blessings that he's given to us. We could go on for weeks talking about all of those. Engaging in good deeds and expressing gratitude, spreading the message of salvation. I want to close by reading some lyrics. They're lyrics by Don Moen in a song entitled Be Glorified. And I just thought, man... I want you to listen to these words because they're a great summary of everything we've looked at. Here's what he wrote. With every beat of my heart, every song that I sing, every prayer that I pray, every offering I bring, in every thought that I have, every word that I say, be glorified. With every breath that I take, in everything that I do, let me lift up your name and bring honor to you. Let the words of my mouth only speak truth. Oh, be glorified. My aim, his honor, he, not me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much again for this needed perspective. It's so practical. We thank you that you have been gracious enough to call us into your family, that we get to call Jesus Christ brother. And we would pray that you would just help us to shake up our thinking. We know we fall into these traps. Help us to reorder the way we view things, that whatever we do, whatever it may be, however mundane it may seem, we can do it in a way that gives you honor. And then, Father, we would pray that it would be true of each of us that 
we would be saying with every beat of our heart, every song we sing, every prayer we pray, every offering we bring, every thought that we have, every word that we say, that in everything we do, we would lift up your name and bring honor to you. Thank you for being our God. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.